That's the number seven killer. I believe the data were not quite there for chronic kidney disease, but they were very close. That's one of the top 10 killers as well. You lower your blood pressure, you lower your cholesterol, you have a tighter hemoglobin A1C, which is your insulin sensitivity. And you just take a step back and you go, wow, just like by eating a salad. Hey, all right, everyone, welcome to the show. As always, thank you for taking the time out of your beautiful day. What a great show I have today for you. I can't wait for the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Will Bolsowitz has come to the show all the way from the east side of America to talk about all things plant-based food. All right, so if you don't know Dr. Will, he is the foremost leading voice on plant-based food from the medical standpoint. I mean, this guy has a study for everything. This guy is shooting out studies on why legumes are good for this, why spinach is good for this, why carrots are good for this. But also, I'm gonna ask him the real, real questions that we wanna know about. What about the other diets? Should we be eating meat? What about the carnivore diet that people love and they're saying they do so well from it? Is it sustainable? Is it a good diet? We're gonna find out all of the stuff about plant-based food sustainability, how much we should be eating, how often we should be eating, how to introduce it into our lives for better overall health. So if you have any questions about nutrition ever, Dr. Will is a man, so I can't wait to get him on this interview so we can go do a deep dive into how to be our best, most nutritionally dense, most resilient selves. Now check this out. Man, I don't know if I've been trying to get Dr. Will Bolsowitz on this show for about two years, one year, but it took forever. We finally got him out, and we got him in person. He's a New York Times bestselling author of Fiber Fueled. He's my go-to for all things plant-based. How many people I've sent to him on Instagram is countless. And now we got the man, the myth, the legend sitting right here next to me. Welcome to the show, Dr. B, my guy. Dr. G. It's a pleasure. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, 
It may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that has been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. It's great to see here, see you, man. And, you know, honestly, I've been looking forward to this for two years myself. So I just didn't want to do it over Zoom. It didn't feel like I could feel your vibe and the energy that you bring to your show. And I was like, I don't want to do it, you know, where we're disconnected from one another. I wanted to be able to really connect and do a great show. So that's what we're doing today. The best shows are the ones where you can feel energy, sit down, talk, let it, it's so much more organic than a screen. I've always been a fan of these and I'm happy you made it out here. I want to jump into it. I have a, I have a question. I know you're the fiber guy, you're a fiber expert. Is fiber helping us live longer? Uh, yes, no question. Let's start with that. Yes, fiber is helping us live longer. And let's, let's break this down. So my, my favorite uh, fiber study of all time is done by this guy. He's actually from New Zealand. His name is Andrew Reynolds. And basically, he did a systematic review and meta-analysis, all of the available. He went through and systematically took a look at all the available research of fiber. And he was only choosing the highest quality studies that we have. So like randomized controlled trials or very large population-based studies. And he brought it all together, he aggregated it, and then he started to look at like individual health outcomes and how fiber affects us as humans. And the amount of information that they had was completely absurd. So like, consider this, human history spans about 3 million years. We've been on this planet for about 3 million years, maybe a little bit more. And in this study, they had more than 120 million years of human data. Wow. Right, so the human history 40 times over. That's amazing. And when they went and they took a look under the hood, what happens when you consume more fiber? Now I'm gonna tell you what happens. We're gonna start at the end. And then we're gonna work backwards to explain the why, like how we get there. But what happens when you consume more fiber? You reduce your risk of having a heart attack. You reduce your risk of dying from heart disease. That's the number one killer in the United States. You reduce your likelihood of being diagnosed with cancer, several different types of cancer. That includes breast cancer, colorectal cancer. You reduce your likelihood of dying from cancer. That's the number two killer in the United States. 
You reduce your likelihood of having a stroke. That's the number five killer. You reduce your likelihood of being diagnosed with diabetes. That's the number seven killer. I believe the data were not quite there for chronic kidney disease, but they were very close. That's one of the top 10 killers as well. You lower your blood pressure, you lower your cholesterol, you have a tighter hemoglobin A1C, which is your insulin sensitivity. And you just take a step back and you go, wow, just like by eating a salad, mm -hmm. that's it. And no, no surprise, in this study, people who consume more fiber, they live longer. Now we got a little bit of a problem, Christian, which is that if you and I walk out on the street and let's ignore the fact that we're in LA for a moment, and let's pretend that like we walk out and we see a representative sample from the United States. 19 out of 20 people that we run into are not even close to getting the recommended amount of fiber. That's disturbing. Like if it's that good, if it's protecting us from four or five of the top causes of death in the United States, if it's protecting us from heart disease and cancer, how are we not all doing this? I think that part of it is that people don't really understand, like it's kind of this black box thing, or at least it has been in the past. Like, oh yeah, eat your veggies. And like, it does, that's not motivating. So, but I do think that people are, like I believe in our natural intelligence. We're curious and we want to understand a little more. And when we do understand more, then maybe that's what motivates us and gets us moving. And when it comes to, to fiber, the game changes when we start talking about gut health. And everything that I've just described to you, it comes back to this. The connection between the fiber that goes in our mouth and the microbes that live in our gut. Fiber is not digestible with human enzymes. We lack the ability to do that. But what's really cool is that this microbiome that we have, 38 trillion microorganisms living inside our colon, they actually add functionality to what we are capable of doing as humans. They have the digestive enzymes that we lack. They have the ability to break down the fiber. So the fiber makes its way through the small intestine, is completely unchanged. But then when it gets into the colon, these microbes, they get into a feeding frenzy. And they're just like, yo, Dr. B, thank you so much for feeding me. And they consume the fiber. And that's their meal. And they grow stronger. They become empowered. They become more capable of doing their job. And then they turn around, and they do something that's like borderline magical. Like it's like Harry Potter type of stuff, where they do a whip of the wands, and it's not fiber anymore. Now it's a short chain fatty acid butyrate, acetate, propionate. And these short chain fatty acids, you know, Christian, you've been in this game for many years, the science, right? Like I have been studying science since the 90s. I've never come across anything that has the anti-inflammatory properties that you find in short-chain fatty acids. And if you look and you think about what they do, like literally right there, short-chain fatty acids are reversing leaky gut. They're helping to support the good microbes, they're suppressing the inflammatory microbes, and they're repairing the tight junctions that line the colon so that we can have an intact colon barrier. And when you do that, you basically are disrupting intestinal permeability or leaky gut. They directly impair colon cancer cells. That's the number two cause of cancer death in America. There's multiple mechanisms that short-chain fatty acids help to prevent colon cancer. This is why fiber protects against colon cancer. They affect our immune system. 
So our immune system, 70% of our immune system is right there in the gut. And uh, the immune cells, they're in constant contact with our microbes. And short-chain fatty acids are actually signaling molecules for the immune system, help to shape them, help to get the immune cells to work the way that they're supposed to. You want an optimized immune system? You need dietary fiber. Mm -hmm. You need to optimize your gut microbiome. They actually affect our metabolism. Like, we talk about diabetes, that's insulin resistance. They directly impair insulin resistance. They re restore insulin sensitivity. They lower our cholesterol. They lower our blood pressure. Those are three of the cardiac risk factors, and this is why it reduces our risk of heart disease. And I could keep going, Christian. We could do an entire episode about short-chain fatty acids, and I think it would be over, it'd be too much, but the point is that these short-chain fatty acids, they're having healing effects from your brain, your blood-brain barrier, your skin, throughout your entire body, including your heart, including your gut, including your colon, including these microbes. We need more. We need more. This is the fuel of a healthy gut microbiome. This is the fuel of human health. And the problem is that, again, we walk out on the street and 19 out of 20 people are not even getting any minimal recommended, minimal recommended amount of fiber. Mm. How empowering it is to think that you mean to tell me vegetables. We here eat your vegetables as kids because they're just good for us. But they're more than good for us. They're good for every part of our system. Holistically speaking, they are touching every single system and improving it. It's pretty incredible when you think about that magical transition from, a, from the uh, molecules, right, the fiber, changing into short-chain fatty acid with its Harry Potter magic. Yes. And then moving through our body and going, here's where you need the healing, here's where you need the healing, here's right. where you need the Hatching healing. Hatching it up. Fixing Hatching it up. It up. And, and, you know, and getting things to fun function the way that they're supposed to. And, you know, uh, there's... When we think about this, I want to introduce the word prebiotic. Because fiber is not the only prebiotic. So the word prebiotic means food or fuel for the gut microbiome that has been associated with better health outcomes. So it's not just that it changes the microbiome, but it changes the microbiome in a way that's good for us. Well, there are three main types of prebiotics. We've already talked about fiber. But we could also talk about resistant starches. Resistant starches basically behave just like fiber. They're not technically fiber, but they essentially function the same way. Like you consume resistant starches, which you'll find in you know, white potatoes, you'll find them in legumes, and you get more of the short-chain fatty acids when you do that. But then the third prebiotic are the, the polyphenols. And the polyphenols are these antioxidant compounds that if you look at different colors of plants, you know, we say eat the rainbow. And each one of those colors, there are polyphenols behind that. The polyphenols in blueberries or in red peppers. Or, and you can go down the line and every single one of these plants has this unique mix of these polyphenols. Well, it turns out that polyphenols are not absorbable by the human intestine for the most part. 99% of them end up getting all the way down to the gut microbiome in the colon. And then they are the ones who actually activate it. So when we hear things, like for example, David Sinclair wrote the book Lifespan. You asked me, like, how do people live longer, right? Mm -hmm. How does fiber help people live longer? Okay, well, I'm not talking about fiber exactly right now, but I'm talking about polyphenols. And David Sinclair talks a lot about resveratrol. And yeah, you will find resveratrol in red wine, but guess what? You'll also find it in red grapes, you'll find it in peanuts, you'll find it in a lot of different plants, but you'll only find it in plants. Mm. 
And resveratrol is this thing that, that, that David Sinclair has identified that has, you know, the ability to enhance our uh, life expectancy, like add life to us, right? Longevity. Mm -hmm. So well, it's, not just, it's not just resveratrol. There's like literally thousands of polyphenols. And we can have all of them. But we just need to eat a wide variety of plants. Mm -hmm. All three prebiotics, fiber-resistant starches and polyphenols, you find them in plants and mushrooms. Mm. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, seeds, nuts, and legumes. Like, it doesn't have to just be veggies. You can enjoy a delicious piece of fruit. The, the backbone of the healthiest diets in the world are whole grains and legumes combined. Mm -hmm. And then you just build it out from there, right? And mushrooms, and they're great. So this is, this is the direction that we need to go. And it's incredible because you're telling us plants in its own intelligence of which nature gave us, is giving back to us the very things and constituents we need to heal and also live and thrive, live long. It's, 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 an, incredible, it's an incredible match of, of intent, universal match of intent where we're given these gifts through plants, right? In their own intelligence. It's, it's, it's to me, when you think deeply about it, the, the healing properties of plants is like why I went to naturopathic medicine. I love that. And, you know, earth has intelligence. And there's a beauty to it that many of us don't necessarily see unless we take the time to actually really look. And think about the life cycle of a plant. It starts as a seed and it sprouts, it germinates, and it grows out of the soil and it reaches up towards the sun and it matures and it takes the time to get bigger and bigger and bigger and perhaps one day you and I walk by and we say, wow, look at that beautiful cabbage. I could use some sauerkraut, mm -hmm. right? Now hold that thought on the sauerkraut for a moment because we could harvest that cabbage, but let's pretend that we don't. That cabbage continues to mature and it has a life cycle. And eventually, it starts to decompose and break down. And we may call it rotten, but that's kind of a negative way to describe what is truly the cycle of life. And so it starts to decompose, and it's no longer edible for us. But that's because the earth is taking it back. Mm. And it's transforming into soil. And that healthy soil then nourishes the next seed mm. that's ready to grow and repeat the cycle. And every single step that I just described to you is made possible by microbes. The plant has its own microbiome, just like we have a microbiome. Mm -hmm. All life on this planet has a microbiome or is the microbiome. Mm -hmm. And it's just layers of, like, you could look, you know, I can't see the microbes on my hands. But on my thumb right now, I know, because I've done the math to calculate this, I'm a nerd, that there are as many microbes right there on my thumb as there are people in the UK. Wow. Right? But like, we don't have the microscope in here to take a look. But if we did, we could take a look and we could see them. But what happens when you go up in an airplane? You don't see the people on planet Earth anymore. Mm. But we're down there. And we're the microbiome. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, like, I think about this sometimes. Are, 
is is Earth dysbiotic because right. of us humans? Right. Right. I think about that too. Have we have we messed up the balance mm-hmm. because we're the negative microbes, we're the inflammatory microbes. We are. We're right? the pathogens. That's what I think about sometimes. But anyway, coming back to this cabbage, again, I, the the cabbage has a microbiome. So you and I are hanging out. We go look at that beautiful cabbage. Let's make some sauerkraut. So we harvest the cabbage. We take it into our kitchen. We chop it up. And we put it into a mason jar underneath a, a salt water solution. That's literally it. We don't have to add any microbes. Fermentation takes place. In seven days, we will have sauerkraut. Mm. Because what's happening is that the, the microbes, the bacteria, living already on the leaves of the cabbage are exactly the microbes that you need to take cabbage and transform it into sauerkraut. Incredible. It's just incredible to think about, right? The, that is the intelligence of nature. That's the intelligence of nature. It, it, that's why, I mean, I've always, like I said, I went to naturopathic school because I appreciated that what, what really drew me in was this doctrine of signatures. It's not consistent for everything, but it's the way like nature communicates so much with us, like a walnut looking like a brain, a carrot looking like an eye, right? Citrus looking like breast tissue, right. you know? And, and not coincidentally, having constituents that help those certain parts of our body. Now, again, it's not consistent across everything, but it's just really cool, right? Because even if even at that, it's like something's communicating with us. Something's telling us, come closer. This is, this is what you need, right? And I think we've become so detached from our own natural impulses and cycles, right? From nature as a whole, that we don't get those signals and understand. But let's say you and me go, let's, Let's do a, let's let's go into the woods and live there for a month, two months, maybe even three months. We come back and we'd be on a beautiful rhythm where we understand exactly what we need, exactly where to go, exactly what plant to eat, exactly not because there is a communication that we've blocked off through modern society. I think that's so true, and I think that what we see is that that's at the root of many of the mood distor- disorders, the anxiety that people feel is that disconnection from our natural state, right? Um, Like this is social media is just so unnatural that it's harmful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I, I think that there is that intelligence to nature that's For sure. I I was just having this conversation the other day. It's like the more disconnected we are from nature, the more disconnected we are from ourselves, the more that we invite in disease. I, I believe that a lot of mental health disorders have to do with the way that society is structured and us knowing inherently in our body that this ain't us. This yeah. isn't the way we do it. Right. You know, we don't even know our neighbors, but we're tribal, we're communal. We thrive on communication and having a sense of purpose and community. And we don't do that. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. So like if we look, because we are social creatures. And if you actually look, like we can sit here and people who know me know that I, I talk about nutrition all the time, right? Already, we've already been talking about fiber. Right. Right. And we can sit here and we could talk about nutrition all day long, but actually, the, the, in terms of longevity, the data are actually more powerful in terms of social connectedness. You know, and we don't talk about that very much. But, like, we need to feel the love for one another. And there's safety in feeling like you are loved and supported by others. And there is, um, we put ourselves, we feel like we're in harm's way. And vulnerable when we are not feeling the love and support of others. 
And they've done studies, Christian, to look at this. We can bring it back and, re, and, and focus it in on the microbiome. So interesting study. Let me share this. This, is, this one blows me away. They, they take a look at um, the gut microbiome of spouses who cohabitate. And they discovered that there was more similarity between the spouses in terms of their gut microbes than there was, say, me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so like the genetic component or where we came from and all that kind of stuff gets taken away and now I'm more like my wife. So is that just the food that we eat? And they analyzed, they're like, no, it's not actually the food. The food was not the predictor of determining this similarity between the microbiomes. But then they noticed that some people were much more similar than others. So what was it that drove that? And um, it's quite fascinating. They discovered that when you feel very connected to your spouse, when you feel like optimistic about your relationship, people had healthier gut microbiomes. Mm. And when you felt distant from your spouse and isolated, that's when the gut microbiome, like the sharing was lost. It wasn't there. Now you could say like some people might postulate that, you know, this is uh, like, an intimacy thing, right? Like that because you are feeling love for your spouse, you're more likely to have, you know, intimacy. Um, maybe even like just simple things like touching one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is some truth to that. Like when we, when we kiss, why do we kiss? And the answer, I believe, is that it evolved from sharing microbes. Wow. And testing compatibility. Wow. When they've studied this, they've discovered that people share about 100 million microbes every time they kiss. So that's like perhaps the reason that we're doing that. But nonetheless, um, I believe that in this study, the connection between partners and the, health, and the health of the microbiome, it actually comes back to love and support. And we see similar stuff looking at kids where they've, they've tested kids. This is not a microbiome study, but they tested the cortisol level, the stress hormone of kids in preschool based upon whether or not their best friend was present that day. And they discovered that on days that their best friend was not present, kids' cortisol levels were skyrocketing up. It just goes to show you, this is the way that we were intended to be together. Yeah. And it's tough because there's so much that's tearing us apart right now. Yeah. Exactly. And and when I did my community show and I spoke about the importance of community and our overall health and longevity, I had did a bunch of research and I couldn't help but be in awe learning the importance of social connection, the detriment of social isolation, and what community means for our overall health. And I love, because I never heard of these studies, I love that you mentioned those studies. I mean, I know in partnership, look, minus the intimacy thing, whenever I'm in partnership, if I feel disconnected, my IBS quote-unquote acts up, mm. right? Yeah. But, but every time I feel close, not only to partner, but friends, family, my stomach feels at peace, relaxed, and my heart feels open. Yeah. And it's, I know there, there has to be an energetic component, but I also know that there's something happening on the physical level too. Well, let me say, first of all, I mean, you know, I'm a Western trained doctor, right? Yeah. So I, I love the idea of like applying our modern scientific techniques and trying to figure them out. And I love to cite studies. But I also feel very strongly that we need to come into these conversations with humility. That there is so much that we don't know. 
right? And there is wisdom in things like Ayurvedic medicine. How many thousand years have they been applying these techniques? Mm-hmm. And we come along and we develop randomized controlled trials and we go, oh, if it's not a randomized controlled trial, it can't be real. Yeah. But then when we actually start doing randomized controlled trials, looking at the wisdom that exists in Ayurveda, we discover that they were right. Yeah. And we're just kind of having different ways of describing it, mm-hmm. right? Like they have their, their terms that they've de- evolved over 5,000 years. So anyway, but what's interesting though with this though is that and again, like I don't, I don't believe that we know. I, I feel like we're just touching the tip of the iceberg here. Yeah. But, but they have shown that in times of stress, it's first of all very common. I see this, you know, as a gastroenterologist all the time. People manifest their stress here. Some with a migraine, but most people here with their IBS. And thinking about this study with the kids and the cortisol levels going up. They've shown that in times of stress, there's actually a hormone called CRH, corticotropin-releasing hormone, that gets released by our pituitary gland and spreads throughout the body, and it sets off a chain reaction that basically is designed to protect us, you know, like in times of stress, say, like we're getting attacked by an animal and we're a caveman. That's not what we need right now. And in that moment, it does negatively affect the gut microbiome and move it towards dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. And th- this is the reason why um, it's very interesting, but I've become, you know, with the rise of some of my public facing things, I- I've become the doctor that's sought out. Mm-hmm. And generally by people who are suffering the most. And you know, they're usually people who have failed, like with other providers. And what I see as the pattern, Christian, like what usually ends up being the key from my perspective is it's not their food. It's not sleep, exercise, meditation. Uh, There is usually a trauma. And the trauma that exists, how, whatever it may be, because to define trauma, it is not fair to define it. In my, I would love to hear what you think about this, but I don't feel that trauma should be defined in a textbook as it's this specific type of event. I instead feel that trauma is actually just a personal interpretation of some event that took place in your life that had a negative impact on you. And it can, it can continue to exist in the subconscious and continue to feed this, you know, sort of physiologic thing that I'm describing of CRH getting persistently released to cause dysbiosis in an injured gut. And what I've seen is that some of the best sort of um, moments trying to help people in my entire career have been when you realize that it's not what they eat. It's that there's something that happened to them. And we turn our attention to that and we create a plan specifically for that. And then it all gets better. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I had a patient recently and she's got ulcerative colitis. And uh, like I tried everything. And like I tried what I considered to be the appropriate medicine for her. Um, diet, lifestyle, everything. She was not... 
she was not getting better, and it was frustrating for both of us. We both wanted her to get better. And, uh, and then recently, this was like probably two years of her having a reduced quality of life, you know? I mean, I wish that I could have fixed it. Like, she's young, she's single, she feels like she can't date. She's waking up in the middle of the night to, to poop, right? She has urgency. She could be out driving and have to pull over to go. Um, anyway, she comes into my office recently, and she, she's got a huge smile on her face. And it was so great to see. And I just I sat down, and she goes, Dr. B, I'm better. I'm back to feeling like myself again. Mm. And... I was so happy, but I needed to know, what was it? Because mm -hmm. we had tried everything. And she says to me, you know, I never told you this, but I was in this job that I hated going to work. And many times my boss would publicly belittle me. And she's like, I finally was courageous, like, courageous enough to, to leave. And I found a new job. And they treat me with respect. Mm. And that completely changed her life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Powerful. So powerful. Who, and, and what, what doctors sit there and go, aside from looking at the labs, looking at even sometimes diet, but mostly never, ever go, are you in a job that serves you? Right. Are you in a relationship that serves you? Right. You know? What about your community? What's like that? What, what, what's it like? Do they support you? Right. Do they inspire you? Right. I mean, those, those questions should be in the front end of an intake so we can really start understanding, like, what are the major stressors in this person's life? And to hear the reversal or the remission of ulcerative colitis. Right. Because of something that was activating her quarter CRH. Yep. Right? Cortisol releasing hormone. It's crazy to me that I just think, you know, like all we have to do is really take a moment, just stop and think about audit your life and go, what's serving me and what's not? Totally. You know, and, and, and it's just beautiful to hear that story. I mean, I've seen it and when I was working in oncology and I started seeing patients myself outside of the hospital when I went into private practice, two things I was most surprised of, surprised of toxin testing, seeing how high these people's toxins were wow. and how poorly they were metabolizing them. But the other thing was that how much crap people carry every single day. Yes. And thank you. And it really wasn't. And I, and I like, I've done like amazing diets, amazing lifestyle stuff, super amazing detoxes and they got better, but not fully. Right. But it wasn't until that, that awareness that that person was carrying some deep seated stuff I knew it because when I would ask questions about something, like what's your relationship with your dad like, or your mom, or your brother, or your sister, yeah. or your lover, you'd see like kind of their lip tremble or there, some tears come out. Right. And I was like, And they're Ooh. trying to decide whether or not to talk to you about it. Exactly. Yeah. So providing that safe space, yep. but seeing those emotions come out and then going down that route, yep. that's when I saw spontaneous remission that of diseases. That is 100% true. Not, isn't it wild that we are just now, at least in our sort of medicine where we're looking at holistically, yep. People just now starting to talk more about this. Right? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And this is this is where I'm saying we have to come into this with humility because, like, how how do you do a randomized control trial to understand the human subconscious? 
Never. Or to define specifically what an individual person would define as a trauma, right? Like, so, I mean, and I've had people who, like, have, you know, more of, like, a traditional, you know, they were sexually abused or something like this. Right. Right, but it, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be that. It could be a bad breakup, right? Mm -hmm. It could be the death of someone that you love. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different variations of what a trauma could be, and you just have to turn inside. But I think it really does start with this, this question, like, what is the root of the issue here? We always have to come back to this. What is the root of the issue? What are we trying to fix? Because if we, if we properly understand that, then we can create a path for healing using, like, empowered by that understanding. Yeah. But if we don't understand that, then we're just throwing crap up against the wall and hoping that something sticks. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's, that's the problem is, like, you can call it IBS or you can call it ulcerative colitis, mm -hmm. right? The, the diagnosis is ulcerative colitis. Here are your medications. And then I come in and I'm like, okay, let's talk, let's try your diet, right? But you can do everything right in terms of diet. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm going to tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid scientific research based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. 
But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. The way that I see the uh, trauma and the emotion. Yeah. Um, what I found is that people have their emotions, they carry their emotions, uh, and they experience, their experiences revalidate that emotion. So say, for example, someone's carrying a ton of grief that they've never really looked at. Yeah. Instead, they went into an adaptation of reading books and then they become very academic or an adaptation of working out and they became really fit instead to run away from that trauma. Yep. I believe life presents you with opportunities to feel that again. So say for example, that same person who's running away from feeling that emotion of grief has multitude of breaks up, breakups, reliving that grief and opportunity, but in instead still runs away from it. I think there's, and I, and I just put this on a post, there's a lot to be said when you bring awareness to what you use to distract yourself. Now, the best distraction is in our pockets, right? We can pick out our phone and distract ourselves at any given time now. Right. But a lot of us use, whether it's overworking, uh, it's, it's uh, sex, it's, it's eating, it's working out, whatever it is. And when we stop that, I always, this is what I always tell people that I work with. I'm like, well, what if you stopped all of that? They're like, oh, that sounds like, sounds like hell. And then I was like, okay, what if you stopped all of that, went away, talked to no one for a weekend? How would that feel? They're like, I feel like I'm suffocating thinking about that. But there's utility in like hearing that statement. That silence, having that silence right. where the distraction is removed. Where the distraction is removed. Yeah. So I was just talking to uh, somebody this weekend and, and I'm like, you work, you use work as your crutch. I was like, you are pathologically working. I knew it the moment you told me that you go to Guilty sleep. Guilty charged. All right. <laughs> and a lot of people, but we have reference for that. We celebrate in America. Yes, you work. So then it's even, the, the adaptation is even more validated. So we go, yes, working's good. I do a lot. And great, working and having a passion is wonderful. But this person had no boundaries. Yeah. It was when I got home, she, her, she was, the last thing she was doing is 11 o'clock, turning off her phone, then going to sleep. And then wake up, work, work, work. Went to Ivy League schools, really, really achieved in her work. Right. Running away from something deeper in her childhood. So I told her, if you stop working, you put your phone down on Friday. She's like, I'm like, how'd that make you feel? She, I feel so anxious. I was like, how about you go to Joshua Tree this weekend? Go by yourself. And then she goes, okay, I can do that. I'm just, I'll bring a bunch of books to read. I go, no, no reading, no books. How would you feel if you sat down in Joshua Tree? Just, and just got up, cooked, observe. sat down. Right. Got up, cooked, sat down, and sat with those emotions. That's one of the scariest things that people do. But I really find that, and this goes back to like the way I, I see trauma and emotion. I find when you give yourself finally that bravery to sit down with that crap that you've been running away from, yeah. you start feeling it in your body. It can come out as anxiety or depression, however it comes out. And then I think the key factor is removing yourself when you feel it coming up 
and feeling safe enough to go, if, if I feel the worst pain in the world I've ever felt, I'm ready. And right. if you, as soon as you say, I'm ready, I found this, and emotional releases, the body is just like, you're ready? Okay. <sighs> Crying for hours, yelling for hours, uh, shaking, like, like a, as we have a primal response in our nervous system, shaking sure. all of that out of us. But it's crazy, the healing I've seen after this. Yeah. It is crazy. So well, this is where leaning into, leaning into our tribe. Yes. Right? Leaning into our family or the people that love us. Right? This is where having that support system becomes, I think, very important. Because you need people to lift you up in these moments. And, you know, I feel like that's what love is. Mm-hmm. Right? Love is a desire that is selfless. Where, like, if my wife needs me, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be that man to lift her up. Right. Right? And so, and we all have those people in our lives that, that they love us. Mm-hmm. And we need to, um, I think it's just so important that we celebrate that. Yeah. And we can hold space for the person who's ready to sit and cry. Yeah. And, and cry year, tears from 1999 and 1996 and yeah. the 80s, however long they've been holding it in their body. I, I mean, look, man, I, when I was in school, I go, we learn about one thing. I go, I don't know if there's that many studies on this. I don't, I don't believe it. I was the guy in the school who was like, show me, show me, show me. Right. And then I started seeing spontaneous healing in a part of medicine that I couldn't find many studies for. And that was emotions that are stuck in the body, that are building up as tension, that are building up as what we see as IBS or disease. And then I was like, huh, you know, studies on that. But, but there's the most powerful healing I've seen ever with that. So right. um, I love that you, classically trained, are even talking about this. We need more doctors like you walking this earth, man, because the power that you can give with your science background, but also awareness of this can change the world. You know, man, I appreciate you saying that, but um, to me, this is not about me, mm-hmm. but this is instead about what can we do to try to make the world better. Right? And part of what makes me unique and I think motivates a lot of this for me, and there's something that I had to go through to make me a better version of myself, is that I had to be that guy. Mm. I had to be the one who was going through this. And I had things that I had to deal with. And if you go back 10 years ago and you walked into a room that I was in where I'm by myself, mm. you would have seen a man curled up on a couch in a dark room, covered by a blanket, barely holding onto a TV controller, mm. and I don't even really care what I'm even watching. Mm. And I was depressed. The world was coming at me in shades of gray. And that was just one part of this bigger thing that was happening in my life. And I needed healing. And I knew it. But the pills and the procedures that I was taught to use that were in my medical bag were not the solution even for me, the medical doctor. And that's where, you know, this really started for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, you know, an example where a challenge in my life became a blessing and has allowed me to find a passion that, you know, here we are 10 years later and I'm sitting on this couch hanging out with you and we're talking about it. Yeah. And we're just trying to get this message out to help people. Yeah. Right? And it's like this content is completely free. And never hand me a dollar if you don't want to. Right. Right? And I don't care. Because at the end of the day, I I would rather you give me your mind for an hour 
and you hand me a dollar. Right, and the healing's exponential, right? That one person heals themselves, they're able to help their mom, their dad, who helps their sister, their brother. It, it happens way bigger, and the, the, the amount of people you touch, you'll never know. Right. Uh, but it's interesting, a lot of people in this space who have this passion and fire to go, I'm tired of this, I'm gonna do my part to, to heal my tribe and the world. They went through the heal thyself process, right? Mm-hmm. You healed yourself from that, that state of being to come to someone who's radiant and goes, shoot, man, I'm ready to share with the world because you needed to go through that process. And I, there's, there's a place for all of our traumas because the adaptations lead us to exactly where we need to be. Well, that's, that is, I love that. That is exactly the point, which is I am exactly the man that I was supposed to be in this moment right now. And I will continue to evolve and adapt. And I will be imperfect. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. That's who we all are. Yeah. Right? We are imperfect beings. Like, the entire idea of perfection to me, I take issue with it. Like, I don't like that word. Yeah. Right? Because the problem is that we pretend that it exists. It's a figment of the human imagination. For sure. There's no such thing as perfection on this entire planet other than the higher power. Mm-hmm. That's all we got. Right? And the rest of us, we're just farting along, pooping, <laughs> like <laughs> just making just, mistakes, yeah. falling on our face, yeah. saying stupid stuff, putting yep. our foot in our mouth, insulting our wives who we love. Yeah. Like, we're just doing the best that we can. And this is so, so I think that this is a great point is that um, all of these things that happen in our lives help us to be the person that we are today. Mm-hmm. And even the things that are negative, it's not to be like falsely optimistic about it or glass half full in a fake way, but there are ways in which these are formative moments that create better humans Mm -hmm. and a better version of yourself. Yeah, and so long as, yeah, like you said, we're not curbing that going falsely optimistic, but actually being able to be like, this is how I feel and I'm going to allow the way that I feel right now to come over me. Right? There's a lot of us who caution, like we optimize ourselves away from pain, anger, shame, denial, right? All of the things that are like icky feelings. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who come and go, oh no, like I want to be as close to perfect as possible and I want to be happy and loving and this. Great. But I, we do such ourselves, ourselves a disservice if we move away from feeling the depth of our feelings. I think it's that authenticity. There you go. And I think that part of it, and I'll, let me be the first to say, like, if you went back 10 years ago, um, I was 32, and I had tremendous professional success. My dreams were coming true, right? So, like, I got into my top residency program choice, Northwestern. They give me the top award. There's 60 brilliant people in my class. I get the one award that separates me from the pack. Love it become the chief resident. They literally pay for me to get a master's degree in clinical investigation. I didn't pay a dollar. I didn't even pay for my own books. They picked up the tab for me, right? All these great things are happening. I was miserable, Mm -hmm. right? And I didn't love the man that I saw in the mirror. And I think that one of the challenges that we have is that as we mature as human beings, right? We like, just like that plant sprouting, germinating at first, and growing up towards the sun, as we go through this maturation process as humans, part of it is finding ourselves. And then once you find yourself, it's finding love for that person. Yeah. 
and accepting that that's who you are and not being disappointed that you have flaws. That's okay, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, what I really needed was to find love for myself. And, and it wasn't until I really started to understand who I even was and then to accept my own authenticity. Right. And now it's just like, it's almost a superpower once you get there. Yeah. Because then you stop caring about so much shit. Exactly. So you take off that backpack full of bricks where you were concerned and reusing those precious resources of creative energy to give to the world with things that don't matter or right. things that are not even real. It's, it's an trivial. illusion. It's a story yeah. in your head. Right. But when you fall into that authenticity, it's sort of like not a negative, I don't give a F, but it's a beautiful, like, I know who I am, therefore I kind of don't give an F. Right. You know what I mean? I'm going to be me. And there are 8 billion people on this planet. And some of y'all are going to love me, and some of y'all are not. Yeah. And that's okay. But you feel good in your body. Yeah, I feel good, and I love that man that I see in the mirror. Exactly. And I know that there are people who love me too. Yes, man, I'm inspired. And I don't expect them all to feel that way. Mm-hmm. I know that some of you will not, and that's okay. Yeah, but, but, but the people who do are the ones, the very ones that you're supposed to be talking to, the ones you're supposed to be giving your message, and the ones whose lives you're changing, right? Because maybe, look, maybe someone goes on my page, they go, this guy's too, I don't know. He's too much of this and too little of this. But, but he is stylish. But, but he's he stylish. Is stylish. But he's got some style. I'll admit that. But man, Dr. B is energy, man, and the way he delivers, that's the vibe. And vice versa. And it oh, goes like, but but the, it goes like that with everything. Right. Not just work, everywhere. Energy, right. conversations, friends, family, to each lovers. Their own. To each their own. But this is but what you're describing though is diversity. Right. Right? Diversity of opinions. Diversity of conversations, diversity of needs, diversity of people, right? And I'm not talking about diversity from a racial perspective, but that too. Mm-hmm. Like, what I'm talking about is that we're better because we're all different yeah. and we're coming in together. And so one of the, I think, things that, that you know, I feel is very important these days is for us to acknowledge the importance of like, having different opinions. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It makes it a lot more interesting. Let's have a fun conversation about the differences of our opinion. Let's not shout each other down or, you know, try to stop one another from even being able to talk about it. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Let's just find love for one another. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Do you know Dr. Jay Tita? I don't think so. He, he, he's, he's an expert on metabolism. Okay. Uh, he's a naturopathic doctor, and he always talks about this. He yeah. talks about being open to the opposite opinion. Yeah. And not approaching it with antagonistic feelings, but being like, let me listen, right. right? Let me listen with an open heart because I have the truth that I've derived and serves me, but let's listen to your truth. Well, because part of it, which I think is a very important point, part of it is context-driven, right? So, like, my take as a medical doctor, I'm not, I, first of all, I, I, I think that it's wrong to be self-righteous and say, I'm right and everyone else is wrong, right? Right. But just framing my take as a medical doctor during this pandemic, for example, is motivated in many ways by like, look, I'm like exposed to this hospital where it's concentrating the sickest people, yeah. right? But it's actually like disproportionate. Like how do, I, how do you even like wrap your mind around, the, look, there's these 15 beds, they're filled with sick people, right? And yet there are 100,000 people in my community. Right. Right? So how do you, like, can you really say truly that there's this huge problem. Mm-hmm. And again, but I think that it's context-driven because that experience of seeing these sick people, you, you say, oh, well, this is the way that I feel about this, mm-hmm. right? 
And, I, and flip side, like, you know, I was talking to my friend Ellen Fisher, who lives in Hawaii, and she homeschools her kids. And they yeah. basically, like, have this beautiful property in Maui where they, like, hang out there. They homeschool their kids. They're not, you know, they're not out there mixing, like, stirring the pot that much. Right. Right, right. So it's a lot of this context. Yeah, but keeping our, our mind open to be like, that's a truth. That's their truth. Exactly. You know, if we and had respecting that, if we and that's humility. Back to the humility. If we had that humility, the world would be very different than the way it is. Right. Right. But we need to stick to this is the way, the truth. That's how we evolve as a species. It's beautiful that we can have a conversation like that, man. Um, back to. <laughs> How can I go back to the gut after like we're so deep? Let's yeah. but, but let's bring it back to the beauty of the gut. Yeah, we know that it affects your mood. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what mood disorders are associated with the gut? Uh, how how it works? It does, what what about the vagus nerve? We're hearing so much about in these yeah. communities. What what's at play? And really, where's the research going? Are we seeing more that? a lot of these mood disorders have to do with your gut dysfunction. I'm glad you're asking this question. So this is, I think this is a very relevant and important topic with regard to understanding like these mood disorders. Um, so if you, if you take a look, like let's talk about some of the major mood disorders. So a generalized anxiety disorder, major depression. Uh, we could also talk about autism or uh, schizophrenia. These conditions that I've described, every single one of them, if you look under the hood, you will discover that there is a disturbance or alteration of the gut microbiome. Now, to focus a little bit more for a moment on, on anxiety and depression specifically, there was a randomized, uh, I'm sorry, there was a, um, uh, a systematic review and meta-analysis that was recently done taking a look at all the available data of the microbiome. And again, you see that there is something going on there. And the pattern is a loss of diversity. Okay, so there are less varieties of microbes. Now this like theme, loss of diversity, is the exact same thing that you see when there's been injury to other ecosystems, like the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. And the coral starts dying, right? And then when the coral starts dying, now certain animals don't have a home. And it has a ripple effect through the entire system. So you see this loss of diversity in people that have anxiety and depression. And then you also see that there's a loss of balance between the microbes. Less of the anti-inflammatory short-chain fatty acid producing microbes and more of what we would consider to be inflammatory microbes. And it leads you to believe that these conditions are inflammatory disorders. And when we look at it, Dietary approaches that affect the microbiome, like for example, randomized controlled trials, looking at interventions where they will increase people's dietary fiber, can improve major depression. Mm. So there is a connection that exists. It brings us to the brain-gut connection. And the brain-gut connection is the fact that the brain and the gut are not separate. They are completely connected and they're speaking to one another literally right now. And there's a number of different ways that this happens. Earlier in the episode, we talked about CRH being released by the pituitary gland. That's just one example of how the brain has the ability to communicate to the gut and alter digestive function. But it could be through the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is an information superhighway that connects our gut to our brain. And there's, it's a two-way street. It's going both ways. But also your gut has the ability to produce neurotransmitters, 
So like, for example, 90% of serotonin is produced in the gut. Serotonin is the happy hormone. It makes us like have lifted mood, more energy, right? Um, only 10% is produced here, 90% produced here. And th that serotonin actually, we don't believe it actually crosses the blood-brain barrier, but there are serotonin precursors produced by the gut microbes, like 5-HT, that does, that does cross the blood-brain barrier, and they can be converted into serotonin in the brain. Other, uh, other uh, molecules can be produced by the gut to again, like affect brain function, mood, things like this. So, you know, real quick, uh, like short chain fatty acids would be a classic one. Mm -hmm. They've done these studies where they take a look at a high fiber diet in kids and they discover that by giving kids a high fiber diet, it affects their focus, their memory, and other cognitive skills. Now let's chat about something crucial, that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with Omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Puri's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puri is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puri.com. Use my promo code DRG, that's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puri. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century-old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E 
com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Yo, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not specifically mood, but that is the brain-gut connection, and that's the power that exists. Mm -hmm. So now, what we have, Christian, where we are today is that we need even more. Like, we're just getting started in understanding this. Mm -hmm. So we have studies that say, okay, so the, the gut is altered when someone has a mood disorder. And then we have studies that say, oh, well, you can eat these foods and they may alter the mood disorder. I'm actually getting involved in research that I want to connect the full story. Food, microbes, and mood. And this is actually something that I'm doing through this company that I've been involved with called Zoe. So Zoe, we are, we are a personalized nutrition company. And personalized nutrition is in itself like a very interesting topic because you know very well, and I know your listeners know this, there is no one size fits all, right? Mm -hmm. It's unfair to pretend that like one dietary approach is the way that we all are supposed to do it. And like, it's actually quite clear. Like if you take two twins, like literally identical twins, you can give them the same food and have different biological responses. Mm. Right? So clearly there is no one-size-fits-all. So Zoe comes in, and what we do is we basically um, we collect information. So microbiome, continuous glucose monitor for a week, blood lipid testing, and you enter into an app what you're eating so that we can basically see, okay, well, when you had this food, what happened with these different measures, mm. right? So you, you basically do all this. You turn it in, and so do thousands of other people and everyone coming together. It's like a social type of thing mm -hmm. where everyone coming together basically creates power because now we have this massive database of information mm -hmm. and the, through machine learning algorithms, these supercomputers can basically work through the data to be like, we found a pattern that applies to you, Christian. Wow. Here are the foods that we can use to try to optimize, right? So it's, it's really designed for, to improve metabolic health for people. Yeah which is really cool. But what I really dig is that we also are set up to do good, high-quality research. And when people are on this app during 14 days that they're actually doing, doing this process, they enter in their mood. So there's a visual analog scale Great. where a person will enter. Like, it's, it's just quite simply like, roll this to where you feel, yeah. right? And this, this metric, this approach, has been validated where it's like, if I sit there and I say, well, this, I'm feeling anxious today. I'm feeling anxious today, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's just no question. So we're collecting information like, what is your energy level? Or what is your anxiety? And people do this for 14 days, and now we can use this information because I have microbiome and I have food. Mm -hmm. And now we can connect the dots. That's and amazing. connect that to mood. And so that's actually where we're in the very early stages of getting that particular study off the ground. So stay tuned because if you and I hang out, you know, perhaps it's later this year or like a year from now, we'll talk about the results. I would love to. When you come back here to L.A., I want to know all about the results because yep. I love that while helping people understand themselves better, you're also gathering this crazy amount of data for us to understand people better yes. overall. 
Yes. Which is, it's beautiful that we can connect all of that. Well, and what's really cool is this is a very 21st century approach to trying to create high quality research. Because the problem is if you're waiting for the National Institute of Health to pay for it, they're not going to, right? And if you're waiting for a company to come along that has some sort of profit in mind, well, so how are they, how do they monetize this? Right. Right? So, but on the flip side, like what we do is like, yo, let's just set this up. All right. And if you want to be a part of it, you can be a citizen scientist. So what that means is that you are contributing your data where like I could help this person on the other side of the world because you contributed your data. Yeah. Right. You are helping us to, to improve people's lives. But flip side, that person on the other side of the world, because they contributed their data, they're helping you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this like social network that is uplifting. It's all brilliant. Of us. Brilliant. Zoe. Zoe. Z-O-E. And, and for the listeners and viewers, can they join this research? Yeah, group? totally. Well, okay, so it depends on where you live. Okay. <laughs> because if you, if you live in Canada, right, it's not available in Canada right now. I'm sorry, Canadians. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I love Canadians. I, I grew up like 90 minutes from the border. So yeah, yeah. Um, borderline Canadian. But so it's not, it's not available in all places, but it is available in the United States. Most places in the United States, New York has a, a little bit of an interesting issue. The, one of the things that we do to check the blood lipid is they do a quick little finger prick. Mm -hmm. It's really not that bad, but um, New York has laws that, that um, make that not possible. Oh, really? So we're in the process of working through that so that New Yorkers can do this as well. So yeah. basically, if you're in New York, stay tuned. In the UK, we're, we're starting to launch right now. Um, so, but like we have 10,000 people. It's a great number. But what happens when we have 100,000 people? And you will. Right. You will. What happens when we have a million people? Yeah, right? yeah. So I'm super excited about it. I actually just took a position as their U.S. medical director. Love it. And, um, and part of what I'm doing that I'm really excited about is participating in these types of research studies yep. where we can like open up and understand human biology on a mm -hmm. higher level. So the viewers and listeners, if they're interested, do they go on the website? Do, do they sign up? How do, how do they make it work? Okay, so I did not come here prepared to like, I'm not, I'm not here literally to sell Zoe. Right, but, right. But I am involved with this company. I clearly wholeheartedly believe in it. But I'm interested too. This is partly for me, this question, because I want to do it too. Well, so for people who are interested, what you do is, uh, uh, this is what I would do. Go to joinzoe.com, mm -hmm. all right? And put slash Dr. B, D-R-B. Mm -hmm. And what you'll see when you get there is that at the top of the page, there'll be a code. I think it's will be 10 or Dr. Mm -hmm. Will be 10, something like that. Like it's, it'll be there on the page. Take that code, enter it. You will save money. Okay. All right? So if you're going to do it, let me save you some money. For sure. Right? And um, for those who are not quite sure, but they want to learn more about this, they're interested in the topic, if you come to my website, theplantfedgut.com, I do have a Zoe, like a special like Zoe thing mm -hmm. where I talk about Zoe, what it is, you know, it's important. I want people to understand what it is because I want people to get good value from it. Yeah. So it's very important to have that up front. Yeah, I love it. And I love that we're talking about this. I remember the whole uh, campaign with the blue muffin and I was like, this is brilliant, right? Because yeah. you're, you're, you're going to see it in your poop. Uh, yeah. So you get to see basically how it's running through your body. Yes. And the time and how long it takes. And Well, and we discovered from that study, so this is the blue poo study that was published in the journal Gut. Gut is one of the top two gastroenterology journals on the planet. Amazing. Yeah, so that's the top European gastroenterology journal. And in the U.S., the top gastroenterology journal is called Gastroenterology. I've published it in there a couple times. So now in that study, what we showed is that there's basically like four specific types of people 
based upon their response to eating these blue muffins. And those, and the insights that you receive based upon which of the four types you are does actually like say something about your gut microbiome. And believe it or not, Christian, the, the traditional thing when we look at poop, which we could talk about this if you want to, because I love talking about poop. Yeah. The, the, the traditional thing that we will look at, and people, the listeners, we could provide an infographic if needed, or you can go to the internet and, and, and search for this. But it's called the Bristol Stool Scale, B-R-I-S-T-O-L. And there's seven different types of poop on the Bristol Stool Scale. And what we discovered in this study that, uh, that we did, the Blue Poo study with Zoe, is that we could actually, we could actually identify trends in the microbiome more powerfully using the blue muffin than you could your, your Bristol stool scale. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and did you find that, uh, did it, was, were the parameters seeing if the part of the microbiome or certain species of microbiome were showing to have slower transit time, more yes. transit time? Yes, yes, it, that was true. And then also there was differences in diversity that existed as well. In diversity. So the less diverse, did you see more constipation or... I, I'm blanking a, a little bit because I don't want to be wrong right. in describing it because it's been a couple months since I've looked at the paper. Um, but I believe that the patients who had uh, constipation had more diversity and the patients who had diarrhea had less diversity. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I want to read that paper, man. It's, I'm really excited about this stuff that we're talking about. Now, before we wrap up, I have to, I have to ask you this question. It might be controversial here, okay? What if people are on a carnivore diet? Okay. And they're eating just meat, and their skin got better. Yeah, their gut feels better. They they feel like they have more energy. What about the fiber? What, what what do you say to those people who go? Why do I need fiber if I feel so good? How do we go? How do we have conversations with people like that? Um, all right. If I could, I would like to unpack this. Mm-hmm. All right. So it might take me a couple minutes if that's okay. We have we have all the time in the world when this guy is on. Okay. All right. Let me say this, first of all, that people who are taking steps from a dietary perspective, trying to improve their health, trying to feel better, I have all the respect in the world for you. I want to start with that because I feel like in today's society and what you see on the internet and stuff like this, it's like you worry that I, being the fiber guy, I'm going to throw a spear at you Mm -hmm. and try to hit you in the heart. And that's so not true. Right. Right? I I respect that you are motivated and willing to change your diet because there's a lot of people who don't have the audacity to do that. But I do want, at the end of the day, you can choose whatever you want to choose. And I'm not here to like shame or anything like that. But I also want to empower you with the right information so that you can make an informed choice. Like I'm a big believer in informed informed choices using the best available science. So let's talk through this. First of all, a a person who has like skin issues that clears up or autoimmune issues that clear up, right? Number one, we we don't have good studies with the carnivore diet and this. We have anecdotes. I'm not here to dismiss those, these people who say that this happens for them, right? Um, I want studies. I want studies, but I do believe that what the carnivore diet does do that is beneficial is it gives you a framework to eliminate ultra-processed foods. And I think that there's benefit to that. And for many people who, there was a study that came out fairly recently that made the connection between the, the um, diagnosis of autoimmune diseases and consumption of ultra-processed foods. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm of the belief that 
the stuff, like we were talking earlier about the cycle of life for a plant, right? So what do we say about like the, the crackers that sit in the uh, shelf at your store and they're the same crispiness and there's no mold and it's been two years? Yeah. What do, we, what do we say to that? What do we say about the meat that's been sitting in this refrigerated section for the last three years and they shave off a couple pieces every, you know, once every couple days, mm-hmm. right? These foods, the way that you preserve them is by taking the microbes out of the equation. Because the microbes, the molds, the bacteria, they would break down these foods unless you had something in the food that's destroying the microbes. Mm-hmm. That's what preservatives are. They're antimicrobials, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think that getting the ultra-processed foods out is key to these specific issues. And this is why people may see these improvements. When people say my gut is better on a carnivore diet, and I want to also lump in here, they say my diabetes is better on a carnivore diet. I want to make sure that we properly understand what we're talking about here. Because you're symptomatically better, or maybe your hemoglobin A1C came down, and that may be the end point that you value, and you're working towards that. But you haven't actually fixed the problem. Because the avoidance of foods that perhaps trigger a food intolerance is not actually curing the problem. It's that you're avoiding food. And you've backed yourself into a corner where you're on this hyper-restrictive diet and avoiding these foods altogether. And that's why you feel better, right? Same is true with diabetes. Like, oh, can you eat a piece of fruit without spiking your blood sugar through the roof? We do know that saturated fat through lipotoxicity is associated with worsening insulin resistance. When people on a carnivore diet eat an exceptionally high level of saturated fat, and if you look at the work of Kevin Hall at the NIH, speaking, this is speaking about diabetes, if you look at the work of Kevin Hall at the NIH, he has shown us in, in very clear studies where people are living in a, in a metabolic ward that when you ramp up your saturated fat intake, you're actually making your insulin resistance worse. Hmm. Right? So you're not curing your diabetes. You're actually making your diabetes worse. You're just avoiding sugar. You're not curing your IBS. I would argue that your IBS is going to be worse. Your mm-hmm. food intolerances will be worse. Mm-hmm. You're just avoiding food. Right. Right. So I would prefer personally to put people on a path that actually addresses the root of the problem, doesn't avoid the problem, mm-hmm. which is a the theme of what we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. Now, what are my concerns with the carnivore diet? I do worry that it's going to make the gut worse, that the food intolerances will be worse. I do worry about that. Um, But I think my biggest concern really is long-term health. I don't feel that people should have to make compromises in order to um, feel better. Yeah. And I do want them to feel better. Like, again, right off the bat, like, I respect your goal to get there. But... If you look at people who are truly doing the carnivore diet and their LDL cholesterol, it is through the roof, like disturbingly high. And the people within the community will tell you that this does not matter. And I don't agree. And I'm alarmed by this because we have very clear studies repeatedly from across the globe showing us the connection between LDL cholesterol and the development of our number one killer, coronary artery disease. And Christian, some people say, oh, well, those are, those are epidemiology studies, 
right? Those are association. That doesn't mean causation. So how do you explain that we have phase three clinical trials with drugs that lower LDL cholesterol? And I'm not just talking about statins. I'm talking about multiple different types, different mechanisms of action of lipid-lowering drugs. But what ties them all together is they lower LDL cholesterol. And in these studies, people are less likely to die of heart disease and less likely to have a heart attack, a myocardial infarction. Mm. It's very hard to deny that. And so I, I really sincerely worry, because we don't have long-term data on carnivore. I would welcome it. Right. Please. But I worry, like, do you want to be the guinea pig? Mm. Right? Do you want to be the guy who does this for 10 years and then has a massive crushing, uh, potentially life-threatening myocardial infarction? Mm. Because based upon everything that I know, that's where this is going. And that's what I worry about. Wow, that's powerful. So I just want people to make healthy choices. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to have to make long-term compromises, right? Because if something debilitating happens, you can't take that back. Right. You have a stroke, you can't take that back. Right. Right? right. So that's not trying to fearmonger. I just, I just care. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So at the end of the day, here's what I would prefer. Uh, I would prefer to heal, truly heal. Like, get to the root of the issue and restore your gut health so that these foods that you view as the enemy because they cause symptoms actually become your friend. Mm -hmm. And a truly healed gut is not requiring you to avoid food. A truly healed gut is able to enjoy the food and do it without restriction. Amen to that, man. Right? And that's where I ultimately want to take people. And so that, that, that brings me to my new book. So my new book is called The Fiber Fields Cookbook. And this is my second book. My first book was Fiber Fueled. It was a New York Times bestseller. I'm very proud of it. It was a passion project. Mm -hmm. I wrote it at five in the morning. <laughs> like taking call one out of three days, yeah. writing this at five in the morning. And I just felt like the world needed to hear it. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but here we are and 200,000 people have heard it. Love it. And so now here where I am and I'm like, I'm a doctor. And I have a platform and I can do things that help people. And I can use a book as an opportunity to give people the tools that they need to be successful. And this is, again, like I believe uh, I'm the US medical director of a personalized nutrition company. Mm -hmm. I don't believe there's one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I believe it needs to be personalized. But let me give you the tools that you need and you can implement them and introduce them in your own life in a way that works for you mm -hmm. and brings you great joy. Love it. And so what the book has is it has my entire approach step-by-step step, to food intolerances. Many of the concepts, holistic healing, finding the root of the issue. This is, this is what I teach in the book. I show people how to do it. Step-by-step, step, I hold your hands. Super I have, exciting. I have a protocol for low histamine. I have a protocol for low FODMAP. If you don't have food intolerances, I have 125 recipes and they're maxed out in terms of the diversity because that's my big thing. I mm -hmm. want people to have diversity. So 125 recipes that do that. If you're not fermenting food, we talked about cabbage and sauerkraut. If you're not fermenting food, you should be. There was a new study that came out of Stanford last summer that showed, you, that showed us that just in a few weeks of adding fermented food to your diet, you can enhance the diversity within your gut microbiome and reduce inflammatory markers. Just a couple weeks. Unbelievable. So if you're not doing that, you should be. Well, let me give you the recipes. Let me empower you with the tools. And if you're not sprouting, 
then you must not have met Doug Evans. <laughs> uh, he was on the show. He was on the show. We all met Doug Evans. Yeah. <laughs> and Doug Evans is the Lord of the Sprouts, and I am the Prince. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm going to teach you how to sprout, talking about this beautiful cycle of life and the germination that comes from a seed and the most nourishing, most nourishing food mm. could be growing on your kitchen counter and it's non-perishable and it's inexpensive and it's organic mm -hmm. and it's like having a garden right there in your kitchen mm -hmm. and it's hyper nutritious. I love that, man. The book, when is it out? So the book is out May 17th, the May Fiber 17th. Fields Cookbook. Okay. And so look for it and, you know, again, uh, Anywhere you want to buy it, I am grateful for the support of, mm -hmm. of the community. Um, but at the same time, like there are people who there, there are people who you know are our neighbors, and they have a mom and pop shop down the street from you. Mm -hmm. And these people are, have been struggling to get by during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, like little bookstores, it's not been easy for them. Mm -hmm. So let's support our neighbors. Yeah, it's worth taking the drive and handing some cash to them. Yeah, make it an inexperience. Yeah. Right, go 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 up to the go up to the place, get a bite of food to eat after, make it a whole experience for yourself, and support those local businesses. But man, I applaud you. I can't wait to get that book, because me, I wouldn't say I'm the best cook. I need guidance. I just throw some colors, prebiotic, probiotic, and call it a day. Yeah. I don't care about flavor. Yeah. But now you mean to tell me I'm going to get this book, open it up, and up level my flavor, up level my nutrient density. My pre, my probiotic, my, my, there's gonna be a celebration. It's gonna be Cinco de Mayo in my gut. As <laughs> I got microbes. I got my microbes. They're gonna be doing sombreros <laughs> in the limbo in my yeah. stomach, man. I just can't, I can't wait to get this book, dude. Uh, I can't thank you enough for this conversation. I love where it went. I mean, we were talking about the gut, we were talking about trauma, we went back to the gut. We talked about uh, studies the, the, of what's going on in the research now in the forefront of everything. We went through a whole damn journey. We're back on Earth here, and I'm, and I'm so happy to have you on. When that study comes out, come back on the show. Let's talk about all the results. Talk more about everything else that has unfolded over the year. Let's do it. It's been a pleasure, man. You're so well-spoken. I feel your passion. My guy. Finally on the show, Dr. Will B.